All right. Well, hey, uh, before I get started, here's, here's what I want to call special attention to. Parents, you already know what I'm about to say, and that is this. Today is Family Sunday service, okay? So what you can expect from here on out, uh, I'll just say it this way. Any holiday weekend, we're going to have just the kids in here with us, and we're just going to have just a good time in the presence of the Lord together. And just this is an opportunity for all of us together as a team, as a family, uh, to be able to disciple one another's kids and how to worship the Lord together, okay? I know Macy, Nancy, and Angela are doing just an incredible job, and all the surf team members that are in there, to disciple uh, and to come alongside and disciple uh, your children in, in those environments. And every so often, we're going to step into uh, uh, service in this room and be able to worship together. So here's what I want to encourage you to do a few things. One, try not to stress out. Now, I didn't say don't stress out. I said try not to stress out, okay? And so in this, um, what I mean by that is if your kid is, is, you know, maybe screaming or they're shouting or whatever, I'm just going to take that as encouragement uh, to be able to preach a little bit harder, Okay, so so all that to say that doesn't bother me one bit. And then two, uh, let this be an opportunity to show them, hey, here's how you look up Hebrews one, which is where we'll be. So if you want to turn your Bibles there right now, uh, Hebrews one, and this is and this is where we'll be, and this is the part of Scripture that uh, we're going to do. But here's what I want to say real quick. I need um, a dad and a mom. Uh, not mom and dad, but a dad and a mom. I want to give out Jimmy Seibert's Parenting Without Regret. If you haven't read it, uh, uh, this is an opportunity for you to do it. So come on. Ready? One, two. Okay, May. There's a mom. May, you, you. I love it. Come on, May. All right. I need a dad. Come on. Who's a proud dad that wants to be able to have Jimmy Seibert's help? There's one back there. All right. Come on. Let's pass this back to him. He's running up here with his baby. Come on. <laughs> Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, uh, church, this morning is so exciting. And kids, here's what I want to say to you. Uh, there's going to be a point in time in this service where I'm going to talk about my son, Crew. Crew, wave your hand. All right. He's sitting up here. You know, he's kind of shy. There's going to be a picture that I want to show you. So if you can hold off to be able to get to this picture, it's going to be a little bit at the end. And I want you just to focus in. And let me say something to you, kids. This is your time and your service as well. And so if there's something that I say that you like, I want you to say, amen. Okay. If there's something that, that, that is funny to you, I just want you to laugh out loud. And if your parents aren't laughing, say that was funny. Okay. So all that to say church Hebrews chapter one and where we're going to, where we're starting today. I'm so excited uh, as we go into the fall, we're going to spend a majority of the fall walking through the book of Hebrews. Okay, and um, as we walk through the book of Hebrews, we're going to be talking about developing resilience. Okay, developing resilience. And as we prayed uh, for this this fall, and as uh, Pastor Zach was just kind of asking the Lord, Lord, which is the way that you want us to go? All of us are in a position to figure out how to develop resilience. Okay, and so here's what I'll say as you turn to Hebrews chapter one is that life can be hard and we all just need resilience in order to face life's lows, the losses, the letdowns. And the book of Hebrews has helped people uh, develop deep reservoirs of resilience throughout history and for the challenges that we face. 
So over these next nine weeks, we're going to be walking through and learning from the book of, uh, of Hebrews on how to develop resilience. Now, let me give you a little bit of context before we jump in today. Hebrews was written during a time of great persecution in the church. Uh, believers had been going through great conflict and suffering and public insults. And, and, and through this persecution, they got their property confiscated and others were thrown into prison and some of them were tortured. And if you were a follower of Christ during the day, you could have escaped the pressure that persecution was bringing if you simply denied Christ. And all you had to do is say, I deny Jesus, and all of that would be gone. And so renouncing then or, 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 or saying, I deny Jesus, became a great temptation during that time. Because who wants to get their property confiscated? Who wants to suffer? Who wants to be in a position where they're having to um, figure out, should, do I pick my family or do I pick a God? Okay. And so the book of Hebrews was written to Christians in order to help them develop resilience so that they would be able to remain faithful in the midst of persecution and hardship. And so why this? Why now? We, 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 go, we, we too face the temptation to be able to give up and to check out. We face a temptation that, that, that uh, we are needing to pick sometimes between what the Bible says and what culture is telling us that we need to accept. And just like the, the Spirit used the words to encourage and develop resilience in the church of, uh, of that, that day or the believers long ago, we believe that as we go through this book of the Bible, the Spirit will use it to encourage us and to be able to develop resilience in us for the challenges that we are facing and that we will face. So before I go on, I think it's important for us to define resilience. And so resilience during this time is going to be, uh, this is the definition that we're going to be working from this entire time. So if you want to write it down, take a picture of it, um, or it will be posted later, or you can listen to the podcast later if you don't catch it. Resilience, the spiritual strength we need to face life's trials and temptations and stay faithful to Jesus. The spiritual strength we need to face life's trials and temptations and stay faithful faithful to Jesus. So that is going to be our working definition of resilience. Now, I want to, I want to begin, uh, as we begin the series, I want to acknowledge uh, that, that I'm speaking to people that are, that are in between or on two sides of the spectrum. On one hand, on one side, you have those of you in here who know Jesus intimately, who um, spend time with him regularly, and who believe the word of God, and who uh, just will do anything for Jesus. And on the other end of the spectrum are those that um, this may be your first time hearing about Jesus. You maybe are trying to figure out, is this, is this a man that I want to follow? And maybe you were invited by a friend and you were promised like an amazing lunch after church if you would just come. And, I, and here's the deal. If that was you, I want you to hold your friend to that. Okay? Hold them to that lunch. But here's what I'll say. This is not um, a, a, a coincidence that you are here, but instead, this is an invitation where we get to, uh, I, I want to arrest your attention to point you to who Jesus is. 
And so wherever you find yourself on this spectrum, we today are going to see Jesus and pay attention to Jesus. Everyone, including kids, say, see Jesus, pay attention to Jesus. See Jesus, pay attention to Jesus. Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So the author of Hebrews here begins with the subject and the subject of his first verse is God the father. And so pointing to a past where God revealed himself through various prophets and through various events and various men and women of renown, he, he, as he's revealing himself, he is, the writer of Hebrews is pointing back to this time and he's saying, this is how God spoke. And if you, you are new to the Bible, the writer is specifically talking about those in the Old Testament or these stories in the Old Testament where God would deliver, he would heal or restore and speak of himself through those circumstances to demonstrate that God was with his people. But then the writer of Hebrews switches subject. He doesn't just talk about the father, but then he switches to the son. Everybody say the son. And the son here uh, is the son of God who we have come to know as Jesus. And so rather than trying to use various descriptions throughout Scripture and throughout the Old Testament and, and try to tell you who Jesus is, I just want to use the descriptors that are found in this verse. Because if we're going to walk through the book of Hebrews, I want to walk through the book of Hebrews. It's one thing that I'm so encouraged by whenever we go through series and we're going through a book is that it forces us to talk about certain topics that we just can't glide over or just skim over, but it forces us to have the conversation. So let's have a conversation about Jesus. So first, here the writer of Hebrews says that he is the heir of all things. He says that in verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom God appointed the heir of all things. You see that? Underline that in your Bible. That if the father is describing the son as the heir of all things, that means that the son has basically inherited everything that the father has given him. And you know what that is? That means that he is the ruler and the king of all. It didn't say some things. It didn't say this little piece over here. It's saying that Jesus has inherited all things. Okay? So Jesus is the heir of all things. I'm going, I'm going, uh, uh, I'm purposely going slow here because I want you to grasp this. Second, the writer of Hebrews describes him as through whom also he made the universe. 
And so Jesus here is described as the agent of creation when he says that he made the universe. Underline that. When it talks about him being the agent of creation, he was there when God created the world. That when, when the Bible says in Genesis 1, then God said, let there be light. And when God went through all of creation on the various days, it meant that Jesus, it meant that the Father was doing that through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was there. And it was through him that the world was created. I'm stopping there. Selah that moment. Third, he says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And I know I skipped a huge portion because at the end of verse three, underlined, sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, what would what what is required in order for someone to sit at the right hand of the father? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because if you go back to verse 3, it says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So all of who Jesus is, is the being of God. Meaning this, that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. When we see the Son, he is the exact representation of who the Father is. This is truth, guys. Second, he says that he is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Meaning when he talks about sustaining all things, he's burying it. He's upholding it. And so Jesus, by the mere fact that he is the word that was spoken or through his words, he is sustaining everything. And he's not only sustaining creation, but he's holding you up. You up. And he's not doing it by brute force and saying, you must stand here. He's doing it with his tender word. The words that build you up and the words that sustain the universe. And, and, and it is Jesus who is doing that. And then not only that, but in verse four, then, uh, uh, well, and, and then next he says that he sat down uh, after he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand. So the last thing that he did to be able to sit down at the right hand of God is that he provided purification for sins. That means that you have been made clean. In Jesus, we are clean. The stain of sin is removed. And Jesus proclaimed and accomplished salvation once and for all. And so why does he deserve to sit at the right hand of the Father? It's because he is the, the exact representation of the Father. He is sustaining all things. He is up and he has provided purification for our sins. So therefore, he is able to sit they're next to the Father, ruling and reigning because he rules over what? All. Great job. And then lastly, as we see Jesus, the writer points to verse 4, and he says, He became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Now, 
This is a really interesting uh, way of saying this, but let me just break it down for you. You ready? If you look at throughout the Old Testament, any time uh, God revealed himself, it, 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 he reveals himself in a way uh, that is either a burning bush, so a sign, a wonder. He reveals himself in ways that maybe the, 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 um, the, the, the angel of the Lord, of, of the armies of the Lord shows up. There are opportunities where angels come up and they begin to declare messages to the people of God. And they took that and they said, wow, this is a wonder and this is a sign from the Lord. Therefore, we must obey. Therefore, we must act. And now what the writer of Hebrews is doing is that he's pointing to these instances and he says, hey, you know, those angels that showed up and you actually responded to that. Yeah, Jesus is much greater than them. And so if he's much greater than the angels, that means that he's not, he's not just greater than the angels, but he's also greater than the prophets who came and told you about, who, uh, about God. So he's greater than Abraham. He's greater than Isaac. He's greater than Jacob. He's greater than David. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than all of these individuals who God used to be able to push the people of God forward. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, this name, his name is Jesus. He is far superior than them. And so as we step back and as and as what what Jesus, I mean, what the writer of Hebrews is doing here is that he's describing the person, the work and the status of who Jesus is. And so when we see Jesus when we behold him, to behold his beauty, to behold his work, to behold his status, we become more like him because when we behold him, we become like the thing that we behold. And so our eyes are fixed on him. And when our eyes on fix are fixed on him, then we are transformed more into the image of Jesus. And so my hope this week is that you, if you are experiencing trial, temptation, doubt or discouragement that you would behold and see Jesus through Hebrews 1 and that it would provide the courage and the conviction to to uh, the to uh, to rise up out of your willingness to give up to allow Jesus to shape and shift your paradigms and perspectives and not the culture of this world and so as you are going about throughout your week, here's what I want to encourage you with this week is I want you to just open your Bible to Hebrews one and start going through verses one through four. The rest of chapter one, uh, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but here's what I'll say. The rest of chapter one is the writer of Hebrews explaining why Jesus is superior to the angels. And so my encouragement to you is that as you spend time with Jesus and you behold him in your quiet time, and for those of you that are parents, I want to I speak to you directly and, and just a, a little moment to pastorally disciple you this morning. Some of us feel this pressure that we need to wake up early in the morning or we need to stay up late in the evening because those are usually the best times, and I get it, those are usually the best times where we get to meet with the Lord. And I'm not going to discourage you from doing that. 
But what I am going to say is, where are those moments in life, those times or those moments where you get to behold Jesus in the midst of the things that you are doing? Because I guarantee you that if you begin to see Jesus and behold him and you begin to declare, man, he is the exact representation of God. Hey, son, let me just tell you, Jesus is the exact representation. They may not understand a single word that you're saying, but you're planting seeds. And I, I want to encourage you, uh, parents, that in, the, in this time, that you, uh, because this is family service, here's what I'll say. I want to encourage you that in the midst of your car, that you would cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to behold you. And do that in such a way where your kids are able to hear. Do that in such a way where, where sometimes your kids will turn to you and say, who are you talking to? And you could just say, I'm talking to Jesus. So I want to encourage you in that this week that as you that that you would just take some time to see him to be able to build this resilience that's in you because we're going through tough times. And if we do not place our eyes on Jesus, which we'll get to here in a minute or later on in this series, if we don't place our eyes on Jesus, then we'll be swayed by anything that that culture or this world will launch at us. So second. We see Jesus. Now, let's pay attention to him. Hebrews 2.1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So pay attention to Jesus. When the writer of Hebrews here is saying, he, he uses these very interesting and very pointed and detailed descriptors here because he's saying, pay the most careful attention. And what should we pay the most careful attention to? He is saying, pay the most careful attention to the things that you have heard. Everybody say heard. Now. There are studies out there that, that show that when you read your, your Bible and you read it over and over and you get familiar with it, that you would, um, uh, that, that you retain some information. But at the end of the day, also, one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is that when you read the word, that you not only do it with your mind, but that you do it with your voice out loud as well, because it doubles your ability to be able to retain what it is that the word is saying to you. But when the writer here is saying we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that you do not drift away, he is saying that uh, this is that today I'm proclaiming the word, the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And today you are hearing the word, the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so paying attention means this. It means to hold on to. It means to uh, devote yourself to. It means to give yourself to, to guard or to keep watch over it. That when you hear about who Jesus is, that you would devote yourself to the fact that he is the heir of all things. 
that he is the agent of creation, that you are looking at scripture and then you're saying, who is this Jesus that can speak to me today and how can I get to know him more today? And I'll tell you, one of the biggest passions of my life is two things. One, that I would know Jesus more and more each day and that I could be able to point you to Jesus to know him more and more each day. Because every time I look at him, there's another facet of him that becomes so much more beautiful. And, and, and here's what I mean by paying careful attention. My son, Crew, I asked permission from him uh, yesterday and today. Raise your hand against Crew. My son, Crew, uh, to me, he's very unique. And you may have a child that does this as well. But if you could flash that next slide up. Here's some pictures of Crew whenever he was young. And the one on, the, on your bottom right was a picture from yesterday, okay? He took that picture, by the way. Um, and what I want to point out to you is the fact that crew is not just in those pictures. But if you pay close attention, look at his toys. Something that crew has done since he was a little kid is that he places all of his toys in, in order. And if you look at like his cars as an example, he lines them up. He's a, he is, was and is a huge fan of cars movie. And, and he puts them as if they were racing around the table. And to this day, he'll still make sure they're all in line. And he, and he looks over. And he, he like makes sure that he moves. And every so often, I would go in and just kind of mess things up. He would go, he would go to the bathroom, and then I would, I would show up, and I would just uh, flip it around, or ever so slightly, just to see it. I would move it out of line, and then I would just sit back and see what he would do. And he would come back, and he would be like. Uh-uh. He's like, who moved that car? And he would turn it over. And he does that with his cars, and he does that with his dinosaurs. And then recently he started getting into, he has some, uh, some animals, and he started separating the, the, uh, the herbivores and omnivores away from the carnivores. And he started basically creating this world where the carnivores are going after their prey. And, and, but if you look at that, the, the lion is always in the front, and then he's flanked by these other ones that are in the back. And what am I trying to, to say to you? That, that there's something about crew whenever he's playing with this, that he's paying so much careful attention that he knows where each of these toys are going and where they're at. And so church, that is the careful attention that the writer of Hebrews is asking us to pay to Jesus. Not that we line them up into a box. I don't, don't hear me say that. But to pay so much careful attention that you know that if you were to walk away from Jesus, something's wrong here. That you would know that whenever you're discouraged, that you would identify the discouragement and be able to say, oh, I got to turn this around. Because in sharp focus here is seeing Jesus. And let me say this, if you don't know this already, church, every day you are waking up drifting. 
And so it is, it is our responsibility to be able to spend time before the Lord and look at him in his face and look at Jesus and gaze upon Jesus so that we can be re-centered and begin to see Jesus more. Because when we see Jesus, we want to know him. And when we know him, he becomes our passion. And when he becomes our passion, trials and tribulations may come. And as long as I have Jesus, I know that I am able to stand. And we're living in a time when Jesus must be our focus. Why? Because he's the constant. He's the constant. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So why do we not focus our eyes on the one who will not change, who is able to sustain all things, is the heir of all things. He's able to provide the purification for all of our sins. And so I want to look at the Jesus through throughout even history, that if he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, this is Jesus throughout history. Are you ready? Adam knew him as creator. Noah knew him as promise maker. Moses knew him as deliverer. Abraham knew him as covenant keeper. Joseph knew him as dream interpreter. Aaron knew him as lawmaker. Joshua knew him as warrior. Deborah knew him as judge. Elijah knew him as provider. David knew him as worthy. Solomon knew him as wisdom. Samuel knew him by his voice. Ruth knew him as redeemer. Ezra knew him as priest. Nehemiah knew him as the one who rebuilds. Esther knew him as the one who restores. Job knew him as sustainer. Jonah knew him as merciful. Isaiah knew him as the one who was to come. Jeremiah knew him as comforter. Daniel knew him as confidence. Matthew knew him as king. Mark knew him as servant. Luke knew him as the son of man. John knew him as the son of God. The Samaritan knew, knew, woman knew him as Messiah. Mary knew him as the one who resurrected. Peter knew him as the miracle worker. Paul knew him as savior. Timothy knew him as the head of the church. James knew him as a moral teacher. Constantine knew him as truly God. Martin Luther knew him as justification by faith alone. Uh, 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 John Calvin knew him as the predestined one. John Owen knew him as the killer of sin. William Wilberforce knew him as the abolitionist. C.S. Lewis knew him as Aslan. J.R. Tolkien knew him as Aragorn. Hey! John Stott knew him as the incomparable Christ. Martin Luther King Jr. knew him as the lover of all peoples. Billy Graham knew him as the one who came who came to save sinners. Jimmy Seibert knows him as the one who of passion and purpose. And this pastor here has come to tell you that I have known him as better. He is better. And so whenever I try to go after sin or whenever I try to go after things that aren't for Jesus, I just have to remind myself, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So church, 
my challenge to you today is to build resilience by identifying for yourself that Jesus is fill in the blank. Hey, fill in that blank. You may be able to do it right now, but for some of you, this is gonna take a little bit of work for you to be able to say, Jesus, I have not beheld you, and now my eyes see you. And before we go on into this series, I believe that the foundation needed to be laid, that what, the, what Hebrews is going to be referring to and talking about is gonna constantly be pointing to Jesus. And it is in Jesus that we're able to find our true north. It is in Jesus that we're able to find our steadfast and our confidence. So here's what I wanna say, two things. One, if you're in here today and you're saying, I, whew, I haven't heard about Jesus in that way, and I don't follow Jesus, I want you to know that this is the day, this is the moment, this is the opportunity for you to say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. So there's going to be men and women. As a matter of fact, why don't we just do that? Staff, overseers, uh, prayer and prophetic team, if you're here, go ahead. Let's make our way up here. And so I would, I, I, my desire is not that you would uh, just come up here just to pray a prayer or, or have someone pray for you, but that it would be as something where you're saying, I want to do everything I can to get to know this Jesus. Because here at Antioch Dallas, we say that we are sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. So everything that we do on a Sunday, if you, even, if you heard even the, the, the worship this morning, the worship this morning was pointing to Jesus, saying that he's worthy of it all, and that, our, that, that it's your breath and our lungs, so we pour out our praise on you, Jesus. Because everything that we want to do is to be able to love Jesus and to give our lives to Jesus. So we want to exalt Jesus today. And then second, if you're in here and you're saying, man, I want to see Jesus. I just still don't know how to fill in that blank. And I need breakthrough in one area of my life or another to be able to see him. And to be able to, to just follow after him that I've drifted so much that I need help getting back to center this is your moment and this is your opportunity. And so church, as the worship team just leads us in, I want you to know that this is your moment to be able to say, Jesus, I want to see you. And let's start this fall by rededicating our life to Jesus, wherever it is that you are on this spectrum that we talked about. And just say, Jesus, <laughs> I want to be yours and give and lay my life down for you. And so Lord, I just pray for our church this morning. If you would stand right there where you're at. I pray for Antioch Dallas this morning. Lord, that we would see you, that we would behold you. That you, Father, throughout history, through various times and through various people have spoken of your son, but today your son speaks for himself. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us this morning. Jesus, be your treasure. Jesus, be everything to us. Jesus, be our all. Jesus, be in front and in the back and everywhere around us. Jesus, 
be our passion and our purpose. We want to encounter you this morning. So church, why don't you go ahead and make your way up here or let's worship together. Amen.